Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to Mind Hostage, a show where real people discuss real issues of overcoming negativity and a negative mindset. I'm your host, Stephen Payne, and I'm glad to be here with you today. For any of you listeners in Central Texas, I recommend you visiting Four Legs of Love Boarding and Boutique located in Temple, Texas. You want to pamper your furry friends, a good doggy daycare, or even in-home care, or you want to pamper them with a CBD-infused spa bath, these are the folks for you. They also offer a variety of dog beds, accessories, treats, and much more. Visit these guys at gopetlove.com. That's gopetluv.com. Or you can contact them at 254-239-5307. That's Four Legs of Love, Boarding and Boutique. These guys will treat your pets like their family. Hello and thanks for tuning in, Mind Hostage fans. We're going to have a great show for you today. We're going to welcome my wife, Trish Payne, to the show today. She's going to talk about her adversity as a identical twin. Trish, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Trish, I kind of let the cat out of the bag. You're going to talk about being an identical twin. And so, you know, I just want to start by talking about what that was like growing up. Um, I think I remember maybe a set of twins at the school I went to, but I didn't know them. Uh, I just know that, you, you know, everybody would freak out by looking at them and and uh, they, I think we're pretty close to identical because none of us could tell them apart. What was life like for you as an identical twin growing up? We had a lot of fun, me and my twin sister. We did everything together. Uh, we were best friends to each other. There was nothing that one of us did that the other one didn't know about. We didn't have any secrets whatsoever. It was a 100% bond between the two of us. So you didn't have secrets with each other, but I bet between the two of you, you had secrets from other people. Kind of those secrets did you play on uh, on other people? Do you go to school and class and that? Or did you? play tricks on other kids or what was that like uh, we, you know we did we had our very close friends the older we got that could tell us apart and uh, we had our close friends that could kind of tell us apart and uh, we had Sometimes, you know, our mom and dad could tell us apart and our brothers and sisters. And then, there, you know, there was the group of friends that couldn't tell us apart or kids, you know, that couldn't tell us apart. So we did things that other people didn't know that we did, switching classes or going out on dates or just all kinds of it, just different things. I mean, it was always an adventure. That was the thing. My life with her, it was always an adventure. It was pretty interesting that you would switch dates on that. What was what was that like? Did 
Did you ever let on? Well, you know, we could never tell if the boys knew. And, you know, sometimes they would say that they did. We switched dates quite a bit. And some of the boys knew and some of them didn't. So it was all in fun. You know, we ended up telling them at the end of the day or in the middle of the day, you know, whichever. And everybody got a kick out of it. They probably didn't care. They were just glad to be on a date with some hot chicks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so growing up, you know, then at school, you, you know, switching classes and that. And uh, tell me about the bond that you guys had, you know, just within your own family. I mean, I know you had a bunch of uh, other siblings, male and female. Did you guys have a different kind of a relationship in your family than, than others? Well, there was, I had two older brothers, two, three older sisters, and then me and my twin sister, we were the youngest. I was the baby. She was 13 min minutes older than me, and yeah, our bond, I didn't realize it was different until I got much, much older. I could think something and she would say it or she would be thinking something and I would say it and we always used to finish each other's conversation or sentences all kinds of things and sometimes we would kind of say to each other you know get out of my head and laugh because we knew what the other one was thinking or you know she would call or I would call her just if something was a mess something off or something wrong how about emotionally I know it sounds like you finished each other's sentences and kind of knew what you were thinking but you know how about if one of you got in trouble or something the other one kind of feel it uh, one if one of us was getting in trouble then we were both getting in trouble no. we were not uh, we we always had each other's back. So if she got in trouble for something, then I was, you know, I did it too. If I was getting in trouble for something, she was like, well, I did it too. So we would both get spanked, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Our emotions, we, right around the time that we were 19, we went and saw a specialist up in Chicago, Illinois, a doctor who specialized in twins, and he had written several, several books about twins. And we went to him because we couldn't figure out why to explain to us why I could be thinking something and she would say it or vice versa or like I was involved in a car accident with my older sister and my twin sister Carrie was in a different town about an hour or so away from where I was at when I was with my older sister a car T-bone does and it left me unconscious well during that time of the accident my twin sister she called my mom wanted to know 
where I was at, what had happened, what was wrong, was I okay? And of course, my mom at that time, you know, was just like, you know, everything's fine. She's with, you know, Jeanette. But Carrie still kept insisting that something was wrong. And then, make long story short, that's when my mom and dad found out that I was involved in the car accident and I was sent to the hospital by ambulance. And um, there was another incident that I remember very clearly. We were both in the second grade, of course, together. We were in the same class. And they had, in that school, two second grade classrooms. The teacher could not tell us apart, so she had a split. She had me in one class and Carrie in another class. And I think it was me that I got extremely sick. And then Carrie followed suit and the doctors the hospital they ran all kinds of tests everything came back negative so they asked mom dad what had changed what was different and mom told them the only thing that was different was you know we were split up at school so the doctor wrote a prescription for us to be put back in the same classroom together and then we were okay that's amazing that just being separated by a classroom would affect you guys that severely. Yeah, and I was pregnant with my oldest daughter. I was 18, I was young, and I moved to Colorado with one of my older sisters, and she stayed back in Indiana. And I, I thought my pregnancy was going great, as far as not having morning sickness or anything like that. And then I got a phone call from her. She had left her morning class. And she, at the, you know, we didn't have cell phones, so she had called me from her dorm room, I believe it was, or she called me one morning early. And she said that she wanted to know what in the world was going on with me what was I doing and I was like well, what do you mean everything's fine and she said I'm just I'm sick I'm sick every morning I can't I keep wanting to throw up and I can't keep anything down so she was experiencing my morning sickness and whereas on my end I was feeling great. I didn't have any type of morning sickness like that. So she was having all of that. So it sounds like to me that when, you know, in each of these events, at least as far as your morning sickness and your accident, that she was the one that primarily kind of felt what was going on. How does that work with twins? Well, like I said, you know, we, I touched on this a little earlier, we, had started going to that doctor and come to find out telling him about all these different incidents he described to us which we never knew this identical twins or twins in general there's one that is always a giver and one 
that is always a receiver. Of, and of, of what? Of emotions, feelings. And I was the giver, and she was the receiver. So when he explained that to us, then that explained it. We were still able to both like intercept each other's thoughts I guess if that's how you want to say it like because she could be thinking something and I would say it so this was different it this had to do with our emotions our feelings things like that so when I was in the second grade and I got sick because they moved her no, I take that back. She was the one that got sick. She went in the hospital before I did. And, like, she could feel everything that I was going through. When I had my accident, she felt all that. When I went was having, you know, my pregnancy, she went through the morning sickness. So, I was giving... And she was the one receiving. Okay. Well, there was a day where that kind of switched, where you became the receiver um, in April 26, 1988. And, and I'd like for you to talk about that day and kind of how you were a receiver of emotions. You kind of started going through some weird kind of emotions and, and things that were really hard to put your finger on. So that morning, April 26th, 1988, I woke up that morning and did my normal thing. It was around 7, 7.30 in the morning that I got a phone call from Carrie. Her car had gone in the shop and she wanted to know about my vehicle I had already told her a couple weeks ago you know before that date that she could drive my vehicle so she was driving it here and there so then um, she wanted to know where all the paperwork was for my vehicle uh, in case she ever needed it for whatever reason and you know we we had our normal conversation and at the end of our conversation, it ended the same as all of our other conversations that ever end, ended, you know. I love you, I love you, talk to you later. That was our ending of conversations. And we hung up. No sooner than we hung up the phone from each other, I wanted to call her back. And I did. I, I immediately called her back and she had already left and then I called she was at my mom's and dad's house she was heading into town and I called there uh, at her fiance's mom's and dad's house and she hadn't gotten there yet well his mom said that she hadn't seen her and I knew from my mom and dad that she was planning on going over there, but she just, they didn't know when. So I kept calling different people around town and calling her fiance's mom and dad's house. And 
when I finally got a hold of somebody there, she had just left. She was there and then she left. And then his mom told me, well, she, she thought maybe Carrie was going up to Lafayette. So I started calling. I remember even telling people, you know, if you see her, have her call me. And of course I never got a phone call in that whole entire day. My whole entire mind thoughts focus everything was on her my emotions were like in a panic but i didn't know why i wanted to get a hold of her but i didn't know why i wanted to get a hold of her and that went on the whole entire day for some of these uh, maybe younger listeners that are listening today that was really before uh, cell phones and and uh smartphones and that so you were at the mercy of trying to pin somebody down at their location and and using a landline so i bet that would be pretty frustrating i remember those days trying to get a hold of somebody and calling and calling and calling and you just had to, had to catch them at the right time so i bet that was frustrating you had these really strong feelings but you couldn't put your finger on right and the more the day went by the more frustrated i was getting i was saying things off the wall type things to my husband at that time i was telling him that i was gonna die and you know i'm gonna die tonight and i just couldn't shake that feeling and i wanted to get a hold of her I wanted to, I didn't know what I wanted to say to her. I just wanted to get a hold of her. I wanted to talk to her. I just had this overwhelming urge, this need that I needed to get a hold of her, but I could not figure out why I was having all of these emotions and feelings that I was not familiar with. And I couldn't, I couldn't get a hold of her. Well, how'd that day progress then? I mean, obviously, if you were trying to get a hold of her all day, um, as as the day ended, did she ever call you back? Or I mean, what happened? So the whole entire day, I could not get a hold of her. And around seven seven thirty, I was walking from my living room into my kitchen and I remember like falling I had to grab a hold of the wall to stand up my legs everything was shaking I remember going back over sitting down on the couch and I remember looking up at the clock for some reason I don't even know why and I just remember this all this pain shooting through the bottom of my feet all the way up through my legs all the way up through my chest and my arms my hands up through my neck up through my head and then the pain was gone and I couldn't figure out 
what the pain was at the same time that that pain was leaving I felt this overwhelming like just engulfed feeling of love I felt like it was just my whole entire body was engulfed in this in this voice this inside me was saying everything was okay but I didn't know anything that was going on and I still could not put my finger on anything but all of the panic and everything had left I felt at peace and I stood up from the couch and I remember my husband at that time was either in the living room or the kitchen I can't remember the exact details of that but I just remember seeing him as I stood up and I pronounced to him that I was dead and you know it was hard for him because he didn't know you know what was going on just the whole entire day I was telling him I was going to die that I wasn't going to be there in the morning so that was already you know starting things and then for me to stand up and I said it with uh, authority you know I just blurted it out that I was dead and walked down the hall and I got in bed and went to sleep. Wow, that's uh, pretty ominous uh, sounding. So, so you went to bed and uh, what happened next? Around three o'clock in the morning, my mom called and I answered the phone. My mom told me that Carrie had passed away that she was involved in a car accident and I yelled at my mom told my mom you know to stop pranking me and I slammed the phone down on my mom and then of course that woke my ex-husband up at the time and he was asking me what was going on and I told him that mom had just called me and she was telling me that Carrie was involved in a car accident and that she was killed and I said that she mom was pranking me well about that time you know he was out of bed the light was on in the bedroom and the phone was ringing all all of this like it seemed like at the same time and I remember sitting on my bed and like I had gotten myself in the Indian style like it, like I was in disbelief but like was this happening and was it not happening and of course my mom called back and told my ex-husband that Carrie was involved in a car accident so we got in the car drove back home three hours away so that had to have been a pretty long three hours then with all these things going through your head and 
had you put two and two together by then about the feelings you had had that evening before? Not yet. My drive home, it was a blur. I just, it was like nonstop crying. And then I break, but it was like my brain was not thinking. I wasn't conceiving anything. It was like I couldn't think. And there was times that I had cried so much that I like didn't have any more tears. You know, it was the longest drive I'd ever had, but you know, it was only three hours and it seemed like it was a lifetime. So about when you got home and that, did you go you know, visit your sister or what happened next? When we got home, we went on into the funeral home and you know I cannot remember all the details uh, who all was with me when I went up there I know mom and dad was I cannot remember if any of my siblings went a part of me on the drive home was that she was not dead I could not comprehend that so when I got to the funeral home I wanted to see her body. I wanted to see if it was her. And it was like I saw her body, but yet I still could not conceive that it was her. So certainly they hadn't had time to prepare the body or anything. No, um, they had just gotten it in and you know they nobody wanted me to see her in that condition but I insisted I didn't see any of the the brokenness this may affect some people I don't know but the gentleman the mortician he was the only one there and for some reason he had to move her body from one location, from one table to another table. And he was going to get somebody help. And I, I remember that I refused to let him get anybody. That I, uh, I had to do that. I had to, I had to move, move her from one table. Next. So to give everybody a sense of kind of what you were dealing with, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the car accident? She was driving. Of course, she was in my car, and she was driving from our hometown to her college, which was about an hour away. She was behind a big uh, box truck, and she hit... A dead deer on the road it was raining real bad and it caused her vehicle to go airborne and from the police report they said that she had just gotten her vehicle straightened up once she got her vehicle straightened up and she was just getting ready to move her vehicle 
from that wrong lane back into her lane that's when a car came down the hill and they both hit head-on and it killed both drivers her and the driver from the other vehicle killed them both instantly Wow and it was much much later was when I did connect my feelings I still hadn't figured out my feelings during the day I remember asking the coroner what time that she passed away what time did you know did the accident happen and you know of course they can't pronounce death on somebody until somebody from medical personnel you know gets there views the body and then pronounces so from the time that happened till the time that it was pronounced I don't know what time that was I can only go with the time of when I was feeling things and I feel that during the time that I was walking from my living room to the dining room to my kitchen area when I almost fell was when it hit that deer and because the fear the um what I felt I felt the anxiety the fear the unknown like I had to grab myself to get myself straightened I got myself straightened and she got her car straightened and then I sat down on that couch and that's when I felt her pain I honestly do not believe that she felt that pain that and that was what I felt I felt it instead of her feeling it at that time in my living room I didn't know what was going on that what had happened that, that's a kind of a connection that not, I don't think most people can even conceive to be honest with you that's just an amazing kind of next level connection do you feel like when that happened that you lost a piece of yourself yeah of course at that time I did not realize what was going on I just felt that there was something different about me at that time that that accident was going on something was different something had changed kind of like an emptiness maybe or something an emptiness and a sense of you know she was the one that always guided things and her mind was on track like her telling me you know Trish you need to do this this and this so I lost all of that. A sense of disconnect? That yeah, a disconnect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you guys you know, went through the funeral in that. For our listeners, some may have suffered loss and have an understanding of the grieving process. And although it's different for, for everyone, there are some pretty 
similar steps and things in common with grief. First is kind of denial. Sounds like you went through that. Did seeing her there, touching her, help alleviate that at all for you? You know, when I was definitely going through the denial when I was at the funeral home, my older sister, she she was a beautician, so she did her hair, and I wanted to do her makeup, and so I was doing her makeup, and the whole time, even whenever her body had to be moved and stuff, the whole entire time that I'm standing over her, I did not see her. That was not my sister. That was not... I did not want to believe that that was her. And it wasn't until we were actually at the funeral. Well, it was the showing the first night for family and friends. And when I walked in, and this I'll tell you how close you know we were, and then I'll go back to that as far as our looks. I don't remember a whole lot about the funeral or the showing. Everything was a blur to me. But I remember walking in the first evening for the showing and I remember hearing this thump, you know, like somebody was falling or somebody had fallen and it was kids that she had gone to college with that knew her that had never met me they had just left her coffin and seeing her and then walking down the aisle and they saw me and they were passing out well I didn't know this until months months later uh, really the whole detail of it when it, you know, talking to my parents and stuff, them telling me, or different people telling me about different things. And it wasn't until I got up there at the coffin that it's when it hit me that that was her laying there. My oldest daughter, Honey, she was right around two years old. And I don't even, I can't even remember who was holding her. She was next to me. I may have been holding her. I don't know. And I just remember Honey saying for me that for Mommy to get up, to wake up, she thought I was the one laying there in that coffin. And we had to keep telling honey, no, that's, that's Aunt Carrie's. And then she was like, well, tell Aunt Carrie to wake up, tell Aunt Carrie to wake up. So that's when I kind of, when it hit home with me, that she was there. Well, a part of my brain. A part of my brain was still trying to convince myself that she was still somewhere out there alive. So another major stage that I think a lot of people go through is guilt. Did you deal with any of that? I did. I had guilt about her driving my vehicle that I thought that it was, you know, my fault that she was 
killed in the car accident because she was driving my car and I had that guilt for a while but it was like every time I thought about that every time that would pop into my head it was almost like she was screaming at me telling me no that it wasn't that, that it wasn't my fault and but you know those were the thoughts that I had for a long time sure I think that's I think that's pretty normal how about blame did you go through any any of that blame I went through some of the blame at the same time when I went through that guilt you know that was my fault I went through more denial for years a lot of this is I've never even talked about I've never discussed I never went through counseling you know none of that stuff I followed cars around for a long time and there was times that I was like in a daze. I remember calling my ex-husband and telling him I didn't even know where I was at. I was out in the middle of nowhere and I don't even know how I got there. I just would drive looking for following somebody. Sometimes I would follow people and there would be you know, I would follow some woman that looked like her or the vehicle. And I, you know, would see the person and, okay, it's not her. And I'd turn around and go back home. Or I'd stop myself before that person gets her destination and turn around and go back home. I'd catch myself. And then there was times that I was just in a daze, you know, following somebody. And then... Before I knew it, I was somewhere. Just, how, how about, you know, anything else? Like, have you ever, you know, felt her presence or anything? I've always felt her presence around me. Always feel that she's, you know, always with me. No matter what I do, I, just, I feel her with me. You know, something that uh, stands out to me that you mentioned a while ago was that when you were feeling those feelings at home before you knew that your sister had been killed, that after the pain had shot through your body, that for a moment you got this overwhelming sense of love and, and peace. What do you think that was? Well, of course, at the time... I didn't know what it was and the older I got and started sorting through all of my feelings emotions everything and here I am 31 years later still sorting through things but I had always knew that was God's love I mean I felt it I I cannot explain it was this overwhelming warmth that it, like 
engulfed, engulfed my, my whole entire being, my whole entire of me. Uh, and at the same time, uh, this warmth, it was, it wasn't a voice or anything. It was, um, and I wasn't thinking it, it was just something, this feeling with that overwhelming love that everything was okay, that she was, that I really felt like that she was happy. But I didn't know that night when I was feeling all that, like what had happened. I still didn't know what had happened. How about now, you know, looking back on that feeling of peace, and you you think that helped you get through it, and even today, just to know that um, she's in a better place. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, about a year ago, I started going through some changes in my life, and I guess opening my mind and reevaluating things and just being more open in general about life and I had somebody reach out to me and I, I don't know how the person knew that I was a twin sister and that I had lost my twin sister and we chatted for a little while she asked me you know how I got through it. Hers was recent, whereas mine was much older. And about a year ago, I didn't have really the right answer. I had never, I've never talked about that day of her death. I've never talked about what I went through to anybody and how I got through her death. So at that time, when this young lady had asked me, I didn't really know how to respond at that time. Well, so wrapping up the show, time's getting short. What advice would you give today that you couldn't give a year ago for somebody who's going through some type of a grief or a, or a loss, whether it was a twin or not? I think I never had the opportunity 31 years ago to talk to anybody. I had, you know, different doctors that wanted me to talk to them, and I didn't want to talk to any doctor. I wanted to talk to somebody who had actually gone through a loss that could help me to understand the feelings and the emotion that I was having and I didn't have that and my advice now is if you've had any type of loss or if you've had any type of tragedy it helps to talk about it I didn't realize how much I had kept in 
for 31 years and there was a lot of things that I've missed out on a lot of things that I've blocked that I wish that I hadn't have blocked that her well, Trish I, I want to thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story with our listeners I really do appreciate you sharing that uh, emotional journey and choosing to share that really for the first time in that depth with our listeners um, for you listeners out there that you know are maybe feeling lost or having a hard time in dealing with your adversity whether it be that you've lost someone or or maybe you're lost the thing to remember is you're not alone um, if you have no hope then what do you have to live for you have to find your purpose in life you have to find your relationship with your creator and you have to understand that we're all going to go through adversity and it's not the adversity that defines you it's what you do with your adversity how you grow if you're not strong enough on your own and we never are you need to reach out for a relationship with your creator reach out to friends and family reach out to mental health professional doctor a preacher uh, reach out to your members of your church just know that you're not alone there are people out there that care about you and we encourage you to, to reach out for help we want to listen to your story we want to hear from you guys please reach out to our show at www.mindhostage.com you can email us at themindhostage at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you we'd love to hear your stories guys thanks for tuning in and we'll talk to you soon